All right, I will say good morning. Good morning, good morning. Beginning of a beautiful new week together. Let us begin by thanking our sponsors for this year. To thank our Talmud Torah sponsors for the month of Adar Aleph, Paul and Kathy Pollock, for dedicating all the Sherman Joshos this month in memory of Paul's grandparents, Zecharia ben Zecharia and Dina Basrabdov, to thank Art and Sherry Miller for dedicating all the Sherman Joshos this month in memory of Art's brother, Richard Miller, Ruven ben Bitsala Overachel, and to thank our Week of Learning sponsors. I think it's the first time we have. Paul and Kathy Pollock, Baruch Hashem for the Pollocks. Paul and Kathy Pollock in memory of Paul's grandfather, Zechariah ben Zechariah, whose yard site falls on the 9th of Adar. We also thank our Dafyomi sponsor, Malki Rosenblum, in honor of Josh's birthday. Mazel tov, mazel tov, mazel tov. Shalom tovos. Beautiful. All right, Tavos, with that, let us begin. We are up to our final week in Meseches Moed Cotton. So we'll say really incredible, incredible sugis. We are up to, we're, we're, today's daf is Chafei, thank you to Rabbi Karman Akiba for giving the beautiful shir yesterday. We are up to the Mishnah on Chavdalit Amud Beis. So I'll say, so the Mishnah continues with some of the other fascinating halachos, sorry, some of the other fascinating halachos concerning Avelis. And I'll say, I think, I think as you've begun to see, and I mentioned this, um, I mentioned this in Shul yesterday a little bit as well. Sometimes it's amazing to see how through the halachas of Avelos, one, in fact, learns how to live a proper life. Right? So in other words, we see these halachas, and the truth is, one of the interesting dynamics of Hilchos Avelos in general, I, I've had this conversation with Avelos many times, which is people, Rachmanelos, not experience a loss, then they're cast into this new world of Avelos. And by the way, as you've begun to see, there's a lot of halachas of Avelos. And yet, again, no one ever learns Hilchos Avelos Right? But unless you're like studying in the Sugi and Yeshiva, most times we don't learn Hilchos Avelos before it's applicable. So I often have this conversation with Avelim about wouldn't it be helpful to learn these halachas before one is in this particular situation. So therefore, one could be prepared since, since the reality is that loss is an inevitable part of life. Okay, so I think for a variety of reasons, we don't spend too much time doing Hilchos Avelos before we have to. But again, one of the beauty, beauties of going through the Daf is that we're able to see these halachas in a panoramic view. But again, my, my goal through these halachas is I hope you're beginning to see that so much of it teaches us not just how to live in the midst of death, but also focuses us how to live a more meaningful and maximized life. Through so many of these messages that Chazal are giving us, they're life-affirming messages. We're going to see a number of those today. Says the Mishnah, In Korin, V'lochotin ve'in mavrin, Elokrov of Shomeis. So we'll say an interesting halacha. The only people who are obligated in Kriya, and the only people who are obligated in Cholzin, remember Cholzin is the bearing of the shoulder, Mavrin, refers to the Sudas Havra'a, which is the meal of consolation, the first meal after the funeral. Again, we still have that today. That is a meal that is provided for by the community. The only people who engage in all of these practices are Krovov Shalmes, our relatives. Our relatives. In other words, if you're not an immediate relative of the deceased, an immediate meaning, again, seven relatives, son, daughter, brother, sister, spouse, mother, father, those are the seven relatives. If you're not one of those people, then you don't participate in these halachas avelos. Now, I will say, I'll just mention something interesting. You know, technically speaking, one could sit shiva for whoever they want. We'll say, I'll tell you this, you know what this comes up? This comes up in the realm of adopted parents. Right? Let's say a child is adopted and a parent passes away. 
is there an obligation of an adopted child to go ahead and and sit shiva for parents? So it's a whole discussion in the poskim. Interestingly enough, to a certain degree, it's a little bit academic for the one simple reason. You could sit shiva if you want to sit shiva for whoever you want to. In other words, the process of sitting shiva, so certainly could it, is an adopted child permitted to sit shiva for their parents? Of course, of course. Are they obligated to? So that's a discussion halacha. But if the child wants to, it's not a question. It's not a question. Now where it gets into a little bit more complicated situations are situations like aninos, right? Where again, a person is exempt from mitzvahs. So that status really is only conferred upon, again, not our topic for today. But I'll tell you where this does come up in an interesting fashion. What about Kriya? What about Kriya? said, can I say you hear about the death of someone who you care deeply about, but they're not your relative? Can you tear Kriya? Can you tear Kriya? Where we are going to get to the death today, by the way. Right? Can, can you tear Kriya? Shabbos said, it's an interesting discussion because we've seen examples of obligation to tear Kriya for non-relatives, right? Where do we see examples of it? We just saw it. We can see it again today. A Rebbe, a Tamut Chacham, an Av Beisdin, a Nasi. Now the truth is, that's not really a good raya because there the halacha mandates that you mourn for these individuals. Let's say Stam, I hear about someone who I care about deeply. Shavu said, Kriya is an interesting thing. Why? Because Kriya requires, by definition, destructive action. You have to take something, you have to destroy it. In halacha, we also have the concept of Baltashkis. Right, of not engaging in wanton destruction. So there is just an interesting idea about tearing Kriya in a non-mandated fashion. Is one permitted to do it? Or does it represent some degree of Baltashkis, unnecessary destruction? Okay, a discussion. Any event, the point that the mission is making over here is that the morning practices that we've been focusing on up until this time are only for immediate relatives. And you can only on an upright bed. Now remember, part of Avelos, as they observed it, was, was overturning of the bed. And clearly you see that when the Avelim would eat their meal, their Sudas Havra, they would eat it on this overturned bed. Or in other words, they would eat their meal sitting on the ground, sitting on a low chair. Other people often ate with the Avelim. I will say, think about this. this we don't think about, whenever you have somebody sitting, sitting shiva, right? Who else is in the house? Who else is in the house? Family. family. So family is often sitting with the Avelim. But what's important to note, says the Mishnah, is that when the family eats together with the Avelim for the Suda Sabra, the family cannot sit on an overturned bed. The family, the family sits on an upright bed, which means the family sits on a regular chair. On a regular chair, in a regular space. Beautiful, Abba that's the Mishnah. Says, Now, say the Mishnah makes it sound like the only people for whom you ever tear Kriya, go ahead and bare your shoulder and eat your Suda Savra is for an immediate relative. But for no other person. Mar says, that's true. What about Tamut Chacham? We learned about again, Vatanya, Chacham Shemei Sakol Krovov. If a Chacham dies, everyone is his relative. Everybody is relative. Everybody is his relative. When a great Talmud Chacham dies, everyone is treated like his relative. Meaning what? Our 
Ultimately, again, everyone does Kriya for him. Everyone bears their shoulder. Everyone eats a Sudas Havra, Berachav, in the city. So there are examples of non-relatives for whom one is obligated to engage in morning practices, yet the Mishnah doesn't discuss it. Lo tzricha, delav chacham. No, Mishnah's not discussing a chacham. Inachinami. I will say, it is true, for a tamut chacham, you have to engage in certain morning practices. The Mishnah is not talking about a tamut chacham. Good. I, the Gemara says, vi'i adam kashahu. What about if a person is an adam kasher? Right? What's the halach of the adam? I will say, now, what does the adam kasher literally mean? Like it says, a kasher person, We'll define in just a moment. For an Adam Kasher, if one hears about the death of an Adam Kasher, an upstanding individual, one is obligated to tear Kriya. say, listen to this Gemara. This Sanya, this is a wild Gemara. So the Gemara says as follows, why do a person's sons and daughters die when they are young? In order that a person should come to cry and to mourn for an upright individual. The Gemara says, what does that mean? Are you taking a guarantee from a person that I should mourn? They're both saying this Gemara is incredibly troubling and problematic. The Gemara says, why does a person lose their, his children when they're young? Because he did not properly mourn for an Adam Kasher. When an Adam Kasher passed away, he did not properly mourn. The Gemara says, Shekala bocha umisabel al Adam Kasher, For when you mourn for an Adam Kasher, an upright individual, all of your sins are forgiven. Because of the covet you've given to the Adam Kasher. To which the say, so the point the Gemara is making, we'll come back to just a moment. The point the Gemara is making over here is that you see, there are people other than relatives for whom one is obligated to mourn. The Mishnah is not talking about an Adam Kasher. Now, both say, a Gemara like this demands, demands explanation. So first of all, a number of questions. What is an Adam Kasher? That's number one. <clears throat> number two, what does it mean that if a person fails to mourn for an Adam Kasher who passes away, he ends up burying his children. What, what, is, what does that mean? What, how, how do you, I didn't understand anything like this. So I want to share with you something amazing. First of all, the definition of an Adam Kasher. The definition of an Adam Kasher can be found in Hilchos Avelos, in Yaradeya, Simen Shin Mem Sif Vav. Shin Mem Vav. Rabbi say, listen to this halacha. Al Adam Kasher. What's the definition of an Adam Kasher? Well, say, here we go. She'enu chashud al-shumavera. She'enu chashud al-shumavera means what? He's not suspected of any avera. Now, both say, now I want to be clear. Does it say he doesn't commit any avera? No. In other words, everyone commits averas. Look to your right, look to your left, right? Look at yourself. Everywhere, right? We all commit averas. We all commit averas. Enu chashud al-shumavera means he's not known. He's not suspected for the commission of any particular sin, which means what? Good reputation. First step in Adam Kasher is, he has a good reputation. When people look at him, they say, ah, good guy, good guy. Does he commit Averis? They both say, does he commit Averis? Everybody commits Averis, right? But again, there's nothing, in other words, there's no sinful behavior that anyone talks about. Listen to this. He's also the kind of person, I will say, who what? When faced with an opportunity for spiritual growth, takes it. 
He's the kind of guy who everyone knows whenever he has an opportunity for a mitzvah. Right? We'll say, you know, there are two kinds of people in life. There are people when you need them for something, miraculously, they're always what? They're always busy. It's fantastic. It's incredible, right? No matter weekend, weekday, morning, even I have to get back to you. I have to get back to you. I'm really, I know I've got stuff going on. Baruch Hashem, a lot of stuff. It's a lot of people, a lot of stuff going on. We'll say, and then Anatom Kasher is someone faced with an opportunity to help, faced with an opportunity to do something meaningful, grabs it. So we'll say, these are the criteria of an Adam Kasher. A guy whose reputation is such is that he's a good guy. It's not known that he participates in any Averus. Number two, takes advantage of his spiritual opportunities. Never mevatla mitzvah. For those sani shumani, and in general, there's nothing bad that people say about him. Right? There's no bad rumors circulating about him. Afal pi, what was it? Zishul Norf. Afal pi, she'eno gadol batoro. Even though maybe he's not the greatest Talmud Chacham. Right? He's not an accomplished scholar. Afal pi, so listen to this. Isn't this incredible? The criteria for an Adam Kasher. Criteria for an Adam Kasher. The kind of person who no one speaks about Averis that he's done, because I'm sure he does Averis, but he maintains a good reputation. He person who's known that when presented with opportunities for spiritual growth and opportunities to help others, he takes them. A person whose general reputation is in high standing in the community, even though... He is not a Torah scholar. Rabbi said, this is an Adam Kasher. So the Gemara says, when it comes to an Adam Kasher, you're chayiv to go ahead and mourn for such an individual. You're chayiv to mourn for him. And Rabbi said, what does the Gemara say? If you don't mourn for him, what's the Lashon of the Gemara? If you don't mourn for him, then the halacha is, the, the Lashon of the Gemara is, um, I'm sorry. But, um, Bose, so I think what the Gemara is saying is like this. Bose, who do you mourn for? Who do you mourn for in life? Think about this for just a moment. Who do you, right? We hear, we hear about instances of death all the time. Right? Who do you mourn for in life? Who do you mourn for? You mourn for people who matter to you. You mourn for people who matter to you. See, Bose, one of the most incredible things that we do for our children in Chinuch is who are the people that we put on a pedestal? Right? Who are the people that we look up to? Who are our role models? And our, when our children see our role models, what we create for them is a system of values. And this is, incre- this, I will say, this is incredibly important because parents very often you know, have their own role models, but I have to understand that my role model, I might like this person or idealize this person, that person, but when my kid sees that, what they're really getting is not just the person who I, who I put on a pedestal, but what that person represents suddenly creates a system of values for my child as well. So at the end of the day, at the end of the day, the Gemara says, who do you put up on your pedestal? See, if you put up on your pedestal an Adam Kasher, an Adam Kasher, which means that when an Adam Kasher passes away, I mourn for that. I mourn for that. Because most of you know what the world needs? Let's be honest. Does the world need more Tamidi Chachamim? Let's be honest. Everybody always feels compelled to say yes to that. Right? There are so many Tamidi Chachamim. I don't think the world... I mean, it's always good to have more Tamidi Chachamim. That's not actually what the world needs. What the world needs is more Anoshim Kshayim. 
The world doesn't need more Gedoli Hadar. We have plenty of Gedoli Hadar. The world, the world actually doesn't need more spectacularly brilliant scholars. There are plenty of them, Baruch Hashem. What we don't have enough are our Anashim Ksherim. Good people. Just good. And there are plenty of them, Baruch Hashem. But how much better the world would be if there were Anashim Ksherim. People who took advantage of spiritual opportunities. People who maintain good reputation. People who are just good people through and through. Not perfect, not great, just good people. So the Gemara says, when I mourn for an Adam Kasher, my child sees that and they say, ah, now I see what my father's value system is. I got it. I got it. I see what he values. I see what's important to him. Spiritual growth. Spiritual growth. Trying to go ahead and be a person who gets along with other people. Trying to be the kind of person who's able to resist temptation to sin, even though I'm not always successful. These are the things that are important. So why does Chazal say, why do Chazal, I know it's a long explanation, why does Chazal say that halacha lamaisa, if you don't mourn for an Adam Kasher, again, what's the Lashen? The Lashen is, Mipnei ma banav ubnosav shal adam meisim kishahim kitanim. In two different ways. Misa, there's the type of death that's a physical death, and there's another type of death, which is a spiritual death. You know when spiritual death occurs? When you stunt your growth. When you stunt your spiritual growth, that's death also. Perhaps the Gemara saying is like this. Do you want to know the way that we stunt our, spirit, our children's spiritual growth? Mesim kishehin kithanim? We stop their growth when they're young is we don't give them the right role models. When I don't give my child the right role models, then Mason, Kishen, Kitana, biologically they're alive, they're growing, they're great, they're fantastic, but, I, but I've stunted their spiritual growth. I've stopped them from actualizing. I've stopped them from maturing because I haven't given them the right role models. If I don't mourn for the Adam Kasher, then my children don't see what I really believe in. And when my children don't see what I really believe in, and I don't convey to them, I don't convey to them, ultimately, again, the right system of values, then at the end of the day, I stunt them in their youth. Mesim kishahim kitanim. Such an incredible yisod that Chazal are trying to convey to us about who we look up to, and who we look up to by definition is going to be at least initially who our children look up to as well. And it's one of the most incredible and profound ways in which we convey a system of values to our children. If we convey the system, right system, then ultimately they grow and they fly. If we go and convey the wrong system, wrong role models, then chas shalom, we stunt their spiritual growth when they are young. So the Gemara goes weiter. The Gemara says, the, <clears throat> the Gemara says as follows. Another interesting halacha. So the Gemara says, we both say an interesting halacha. If you are with a person when they pass away, you are obligated to tear kriya. They both say, we'll discuss about what we do with this contemporarily. But if you are there, b'shas yitzias neshama, at the time that a person passes away, then halacha lamaisa, one tears kriya. Desayer b'shem ben omer, ha'omin alameis b'shas yitzias neshama, chayiv likroa. If one goes ahead and is with a mace, at the time that the person passes away, they're chayv to do kriya. So the Gemara says, listen to how beautiful this is. Lemaza doma, Rebbe said, what is death compared to? Lesefer Torah shenisraf. Rebbe said, when you see a person pass away, it's like a sefer Torah that's been burned. 
Shechayiv l'kroa. And when you hear about a Sefer Torah that's been burned, you're obligated to go out and tear Kriya. Sefer Bosei, this is the halacha of tearing Bishas Yitzias Neshama. Now, there's a lot of interesting halachic literature about this, because the truth is, contemporarily, we don't really do this. We do Kriya at a Levaya, at a funeral. So there's two reasons given for this. Number one, Rebbe Bosei is actually incredible. The Rishonim bring down, actually we're going to see this in the Gemara, that there was a concern that if you make people tear b'shas yitzias neshama, now both said, let me be clear, the obligation that the Gemara is espousing over here to tear when a person passes away is anyone who is present. It's not just the relative, right? So you're there, you're there, you know, attending to someone and they, and they leave this world, you're obligated to tear kriya, whether you're related or not. So interestingly enough, the Rishonim bring down that Chazal were kind of suspended this practice because they were afraid that people would dafka not want to be there at the time that a person passed away. Right? And it is so important for a person not to be alone when the neshama leaves the body. It is so important for a person to be surrounded by others during their final moments. So Chazal said, better to suspend the halach of kriya. Because, you know, a person, I'm wearing my good suit that day. Right? I'm, wearing, I'm wearing a nice shirt. I don't want to tear kriya. So a person might actively absent themselves from the last few moments in order to save their garment. So Chazal said, well, relax that halacha, better to be. The Gesher Chaim says there's another reason. The Gesher Chaim says because often people are not proficient in Kriya. How to do Kriya. How to do Kriya. Right? Which side? Remember, we saw both sides. Sometimes you do Kriya on the left. Sometimes you do Kriya on the right. Sometimes you do all the layers. Sometimes you do one of the layers. So the Gesher Chaim brings down that therefore the practice has become that we do it at the Levaya. Because at the Levaya, the Chavra Kadisha is there. Okay, now it's the Rav is there. But the Chavra Kadisha is there. And the Chavra Kadisha does Kriya with the person that the Kriya should be done correctly. But again, on both sides, technically speaking, this is the Halacha on the books. That if you're there, Bishas. One does Kriya. I'll just tell you, so much to do on these dots, and it's ridiculous. I'll just say, so I'll say something so beautiful. Rabbi Soloveitchik has a, has a beautiful insight over here. He says, L- listen to this insight, and then we're really going to gonna, gonna go forward. The Rav says like this. I'm going to read to you. It's a quote. He says, Hare Kedusha Sefer Torah. Remember, if you're writing a Sefer Torah, two weeks from today, our groundbreaking, we're also going to begin a Ksiva Sefer Torah. So I'll say, amazingly enough, how does a Sefer Torah become kosher? So the way it works is that you need a sofer, right? You need a scribe to be able to do it. And the scribe, of course, the sofer has to write it, L'Shem Kiddushas Sefer Torah. And he writes, Now, here's the Shiloh. Where, so the Sofer has to write, write L'shem Kedusha Sefer Torah in order to infuse the writing with Kedusha. Where does the Sofer get his Kedusha from? Right? Where does the Kedusha of the, of the scribe come from? Umikanu Masik, Shalakol Yehudi, Yesh Kedusha Sefer Torah. This is the beautiful this is. A Yid, a Jew, has Kiddusha Sefer Torah. I, I, each of us has the Kiddusha of a Sefer Torah. That's why a Sofer is able to go ahead and write a Sefer Torah. Because what is a Sofer doing? What is a Sofer doing? He's taking his Kiddusha Sefer Torah and he's transferring it onto the cloth. That's literally, I have a Kiddusha of a Sefer Torah. I'm taking it. I'm taking it and I'm putting it onto the cloth itself. Um, 
Therefore, we'll say, able to go ahead. What's well, isn't this beautiful? So a sofer is able to take his kedusha sefer Torah, or you're writing a letter in a sefer Torah. How does that work? You take your inherent kedusha sefer Torah, and you transfer it onto the cloud. For both sides, based on this, the Kotzker, and then we're really moving on. The Kotzker said, you know, sometimes you hear somebody refer to stamayid. Kotzker said, yeah, it's a stamayid. You know what a stamayid is? Sefer Torah, tefillin, umezuzus. Right, that's a stamayid. Right, a regular Jew, a regular Jew, a regular Jew off the street. Right? And even the ones who everyone writes off, right? And even the ones who are off this derech or off that derech, it doesn't make a difference if you're on your own. Everybody has the same kedusha, a stamiyid, sefer Torah, tefillin, and mezuzos. <laughs> and the power, and therefore, we'll say, again, the time, you shouldn't think, I'm just not just going on tangents. We'll say, therefore, again, the Gemara says that what's death compared to? Death is compared ultimately, again, with sefer Torah, shenisraf. Because what happens when a person dies? What happens when a person dies? See, the goof, my body when I'm alive, is endowed. I'm a stamayid. Sefer Torah, tefillin, and mezuzah. My body, my goof is endowed with kedusha and sefer Torah. What's the, what's the tragedy of death? The tragedy of death is not the cessation of life. Essentially, we believe in Olam Haba, eternality. The tragedy of death is that now that goof, which was endowed with the kedusha of, to- of sefer Torah, no longer has that kedusha. And therefore, again, when a person dies, we do kriya, like a sefer Torah in this rough. It's incredible. I will say, it's, it's, and it's only Sunday. It's only Sunday. Can you imagine what this week is going to be like? It's Sunday. Oh, it's already 825. Right, good. Sunday, 825 in Mamish. Look, look at this treasure. We struck gold already 15 times. So the Gemara goes right there. So the Gemara says again, you're right. The point over here that the Gemara is trying to make is, there are many other cases where you're going to do Kriya that's not for a relative. Right? Many other cases, the Tamit Chacham, An Adam Kasher, Shas Yitzias Neshama. The Mishnah is only talking about a very specific case about doing Kriya for relatives. Good. Bosei, so now, Bosei, we're going to do some incredible stories. Some just incredible, incredible stories that people passed away in the nature of the Levites. Here we go. Kinach Nafshei Dirav Safra. When Rav Safra passed away, Lo Karu Rabbanan The rabbis didn't tear Kriya over his loss. Amri, Lo They said, we didn't learn from him. He wasn't our Rebbe. He wasn't our Rebbe. Amr Abai Abai says, Me tanya harav shemes? Does the Brises say, if, a rav, if you're a Rav, they'll say, there's seen a Rav in a Talmud Chacham, your Rav is a person who teaches you Torah. A Talmud Chacham is what? Is what? A Talmud Chacham. Maybe I never learned from him. So Abai says, does it say harav shemes? Chacham shemes tanya. Right, va'od. So first of all, Abai says to them, who cares that you never learned from him? He's a great Talmud Chacham. And both say, again, you have to tear Kriya over a Talmud Chacham. We see both saying, the power of a Talmud Chacham, the power of a Talmud Chacham, is that at the end of the day, his Torah betters the world for all of us. So that when he dies, when he passes away, Halach again, the world is more deficient. So therefore, Abayi says that Talmud Chacham dies, everyone has to tear Kriya. Whether you learned from him or not, you have to tear Kriya. Furthermore, again, va'od kol Furthermore, again, every single day, every single day, Rav Safra's teachings 
are recorded, right? They're, taught, they're spoken about in the base medrash. So every day Rav Safra is quoted. So in essence, the Bible is saying, you are learning from Rav Safra. So, okay, so the rabbis accepted, the rabbis accepted Abaye's Moser. They're right. But they figured, okay, now it's already too late. Right? In other words, we didn't tear Kriya for Rav Safra. Both say a very profound mantra for life. Sometimes in life you have to say, right? Or, or I guess as they say colloquially, don't spill the, no, don't, what is it? Don't cry over spilled milk, right? What was, was, but it sounds so much better. And also you sound so much frummer if you say my dahava hava, right? right? It sounds, sounds much better, right? My dahava hava, right? But what was, was, what was, was very profound. So they thought, okay, we know for next time. So says the Gemara, no, Tanina, Chacham calls man Sha'oskin behaspin chayav on the crown. No, no, no. As long as you're still giving Hespadim. So apparently, again, they were still giving Hespadim for Rav Safra. You could still do Kriya. Savar the Mikra the altar. Man, have a great day. Savar the Mikra the altar. So they went ahead and they said, okay, so let's go ahead and tear Kriya right now. No, Atam Chacham, you really should wait. The proper, the proper cover to Atam Chacham is actually to do Kriya during the Hespid. I will say, it's so interesting just to see how morning practices have evolved. So for a Talmud Chacham, the way they used to tear Kriya was literally in the middle of the speakers. Right? So now they'd be giving a Hespid, and people would become so overwhelmed by emotion as a result of the Hespid, they would tear Kriya in the midst of the Hespid itself. Incredible. Kinach Nafshei Drafuna. Both say, listen to this beautiful Gemara. Both say, see, see, by the way, these stories are inspiring, just inspiring, inspire us to live better. Listen to this. Kinach Nafshei Drafuna. When Rafuna passed away, they wanted to put a Sefer Torah on his funeral beer, right? On his bed. We'll say, you know, like, he sits in Eretz Yisrael today, right? Like in Eretz Yisrael, they'll often carry out the maze, like on a, call like a stretcher. But that's the meaning on a funeral beer, on a beer. So they wanted to put, Rafuna passed away, they wanted to put a Sefer Torah next to his body on the beer. There was an Arashi points out, Ultimately, again, I will say, what was the logic? The logic was, the logic was to say, this one fulfilled that which was written in this one, which means it was a testament to Rav Huna, that to put a Sefer Torah by his body was to say, he lived his life, he lived his life, his entire body, his entire life was devoted to this, to the Sefer Torah. I will say, by the way, what's the Makar for that practice? The Makar for that practice was the fact of Yosef, right, that in the desert, Atzmos Yosef, the bones of Yosef were taken out right alongside or were carried alongside the Aron. And the idea was, Right, so we see this, so therefore they wanted to put a Sefer Torah on the funeral bureau of Rav Huna. So it says, the Gemara, Amalur Rav Chista, Milsad Vechayelo Svirale Hashtalekum Lei. So the, the Yavad Leh, so the Gemara says, so I, so, so comes along with Rav Chis, says, by the way, you can't do that, because Rav Huna was against this practice, right? Rav Huna did, was against this practice, right? Of putting, of putting a Sefer Torah on the same funeral, on the bira with the mace, right? So that was so something he was against during his lifetime, which I do now when he's dead. Rav Tachlifa said, because Rav Tachlifa said, I saw Rav Huna, and Rav Huna wanted to sit down on the bed. There was a Sefer Torah on the bed. And what did Rav Huna do? And Rav Huna took a jug. He overturned the jug. 
and he put the Torah on the overturned jug, and then he sat down on the bed. So you see, Rafuna was machbid to never sit down on the same bed as a Sefer Torah. So ultimately, again, Rafuna would have been against this practice of putting a Sefer Torah on the funeral beer. Alma kasavar asr leshev agabimitosh a Sefer Torah munachala. Rafuna felt one is not permitted to sit on a bed where a Sefer Torah is there. Rav Tachlifa came along and said, we can't do this practice, as beautiful as it is, we can't do it, because Rafuna would have objected to it. Incredible. So, so fine, the Gemara goes weiter. Supposed to listen to this. So they tried to take Rafuna's funeral beer out of the room where the body was. So what happened? Apparently, again, they could not, the beer, right, the beer could not get through the doorway. So they figured, okay, maybe we'll just lower, maybe we'll just lower the body through the window, right? In other words, we'll lower, we'll lower it by ropes through the window. So Rav Chista said, no, you can't do that because the proper cover for a Talmud Chacham is what? Is what? Is through the doorway. So So they said, okay, maybe, apparently the problem was the funeral beer was too wide. So he said, let's just switch him to another bed. The Chacham, you should not move the Talmud Chacham's body from one beer to another. The proper covenant is to keep it on the first beer. How do we know that for a Talmud Chacham, the greatest covenant is to keep him on the first beer, the first bed, they put the Aron, this is talking about again, when the, when, right, when the Jewish people fought against the Plishtim, they lost and the Plishtim took the Aron, the Plishtim sent back the Aron back on a brand new wagon. The idea over here is that, you know, they didn't switch the Aron from one wagon to another, so too the Tam Chalkum should remain on his first bed. So I says, how do they get the body out? So isn't this credible? What do they do? Paros Baba Vavkua. What do they do? They broke through the doorway. They broke through the doorway. He will say, what an incredible monster. You see, sometimes in life, when you can't get through the door, so there are different aids. Sometimes you have to find another doorway, right? Sometimes you have to find another doorway. Or sometimes you have to go ahead and retool certain things. And sometimes you just have to break through. Sometimes you just have to break through. Sometimes when the doorway is just too small, the aids is breakthrough. That's it. So the Gemara goes by to Pasach Ali Rabbi Abba. Roy Hayer Avinu Shetishra Alav Shechina Elo Shabavel Gamra. Both listen to this. And now, find they're delivering the Hespedim for Rav Huna. So the first Hesped Rabbi Abba says, Rav Huna really was fit for prophecy. He was fit for prophecy. What held him back from prophecy? Elo Shabavel Garmala. And we'll say, why didn't he become a Navi? Because he lived in Chutz La'aretz. Ah, what he could have accomplished had he lived in Eretz. So we'll say, what a... What a painful thing to say, right? Because isn't this something that we live with every single day? As much as we accomplish, imagine, imagine what we really could accomplish if we were in Eretz Yisrael. Imagine what would really happen if at the end of the day we lived in an atmosphere of Kiddusha. Imagine if we had the ability not only to engage in dynamic activity, but to soak up the Kiddusha of the land as well. What we could accomplish. Rafuna could have been a Navi. Rafuna could have been a Navi, but he lived in Babel. Master Rav Nachman, Rav Nachman said, so remember, the problem of Israel, Rabbi made it sound like Ravuna could have been a not made it. So Ravuna could have been a navi, but he lived in Galas. He lived in Chutzlars, which sounds like you can't be a navi in Chutzlars. Is that true? Ay, haya, 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 dvar Hashem al Yecheskel ben Buzia Cohen. 
Beretz Kazdim. I, but the Pasuk says that the word of God came to Yechezkel ben Buzi when he was in the land of Kazdim. Hayo, hayo. Right? The word, so we'll say, sounds like Yechezkel is prophesizing even outside of Eretz Yisrael. So let's listen to this. So Tafakli Avloba Sandale. So let's say, remember again, this was Ramnachan Bar Chista or Ramnachan Bar Chista. They said this. So their father, their father Chista, Tafakli Avloba Sandale makes it sound like he, father hit him with a shoe. It doesn't hit him with a shoe. Rashi points out of here what it means over here, really actually the Marshall points out, excuse me, is what it means is, no, Rashi. Um, It means he kicked him in the shoe. Like he gave him like a little tap against the foot, telling him that he was, it was an incorrect interpretation. Haven't I told you so many times? Do not bother everyone with foolish answers. Here's the difference. Yecheskel did prophesize outside of Eretz Yisrael. But do you know why? Do you know why? Because he first prophesied in Eretz Yisrael. In other words, they will say, if somebody, if, if a Novi had Nevuah in Eretz Yisrael, then ultimately, again, he could continue to prophesy outside of Eretz Yisrael. The problem is, if he didn't start with prophecy in Eretz Yisrael, there's no prophecy in the first. We'll say, well, another riot to this. Who else had prophecy outside of Eretz Yisrael? Yonah. And it was the same thing. It was the same thing. His prophecy started in Eretz Yisrael. Once you start in Eretz Yisrael, you can continue outside. Good. So we'll say now, continue with the Levaya of Rav Huna. They brought Rav Huna to burial in Eretz Yisrael. Now we'll say, if you look at Rashi, Rashi says, the Eretz Yisrael, the Kovro. So we'll say, you see something amazing. So the concept of, they, they were, why, why take the body from Babel to Eretz Yisrael? So look at Rashi says, Shekala Nikbar Sham, Nikbar Belochet, Shenemar, Ha'am, Hayoshev, Ba, Nasu, Avon, Kedisa, Bixubas. They will say, get ready for this. When you're buried in Eretz Yisrael, burial in Eretz Yisrael, by definition, allows all of your sins to be forgiven. Vichiper ad Maso Amon. Ultimately, again, the soil itself of Eretz Yisrael atones for all one's sins. That's why I have to be buried in Eretz Yisrael. So the Gemara, so the Gemara says over here, so they were taking Rafuna, therefore, to be buried in Eretz Yisrael. So this is a great story. So they say, "Oh, Rabbi, I'm Rabbi Asi. Rafuna Asu." So they Asi. They say to Rabbi, "I'm Rabbi Asi. Rafuna's here." So we'll say, "Listen to the reaction. Listen to the reaction." Amru. They said, "Oh gosh, ki avinar hasam lo havan You know, when we lived in Bavel, we could never lift our heads in the presence of Rafuna because he was the God Hadar. We purposely moved here to Eretz Yisrael to be able to stake out, you know, our own our own base medrash." And now Rav Huna's coming as well. So the Gemara says, Asa Amrulo, no, no, he's dead. He's dead. Amrule Aronoba. So I'll say, they thought, <laughs> it's interesting, they thought that when the announcement came, Rav Huna's here, they thought Rav Huna was alive, <coughs> right? And now he was moving, he made Aliyah, he was moving to Eretz Yisrael. And the truth is, they were like a little bit, a little bit, it was, it was difficult for them because they felt that in the shadow of Rav Huna, they could not fully self-actualize, so they came to Eretz Yisrael. Now that Rav Huna is coming to Eretz Yisrael, and then they were told, no, 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 he's dead. It's, it's his arm, it's his casket that's here. So what happened? Rabbi Aaron, Rabbi Asi, Nafok. So they came out. They came out. Rabbi Ila, Rabbi Hanina, Lo Nafok. First wide line, of the widest lines. Rabbi Ila and Rabbi Hanina did not come out. Ika Amri, Rabbi Ila Nafik, Rabbi Hanina Lo Nafik. So the Nafik might time. I suppose the point over here is that some Rabbanim came out, some did not. Why? Why the difference? So the Gemara says, listen to this. 
Truly beautiful. The Gemara says, so my, my time, my time, the nothing, my time, oh, the sign your Aron over Makom, the Makom, Omdim Alav, Bishur, the Omrim Alav, Birkas Avelim, with Tanchumi Avelim. Because we'll say the Allah is that when the casket of a Tam Trochum comes to a particular place, when it comes to your city, you have to come out, they form a line, and they say Birchas Avelim and words of consolation. Those, that's the reason why the, why the Tamilicham came out. Lo nafik my time, oh. What about the ones who did not come out? Why didn't they come out? Tisanya arna over makom makom ein omdin alav b'shura vein omrim alav berchas avelim v'tan chumi avelim v'tan chumi avelim. I kashina adadi. So I will say this seems to be a contradiction. So again, we have two brises. One brisa says that when the aron when the casket of tamit chacham comes, everyone should come out. They should form a line, say berchas avelim and words of consolation. Yet the second brisa says you don't have to do it. So how do you reconcile this? Very simple. Lokasha. So we'll say, what does it depend on? Is the skeleton intact? In other words, if the skeleton's intact, then everybody's obligated to come out, to come out and give covet. If the skeleton's not intact, in other words, the remains are not intact, then Allah said they're not obligated to come out. So we'll say, now obviously, Rafuna Shlado Kayemesava. So we'll say Rafuna's skeleton was intact, of course, because remember again, he just passed away not so long ago. Right? They took him from Babel Tarzah for burial now. I so why the Hever that didn't come out, why didn't they come out? We'll say, listen to what listen to this Musar. No. So therefore, the Rabbanum didn't come out. Do you know what happened? They didn't stay till the end of Shear. They didn't stay till the end of Shear. And what happens when you don't stay till the end of Shear? What happens? Good monster. What happens? You miss critical information. So I will say, so what happens? So they heard in the Shear, the Brisa that said that you don't have to come out when the Aaron passes through the city. But they didn't hear the end of the Shear that said it's only if the skeleton is not intact. But if the skeleton is intact, you have to come out and give covered. So again, they missed the end of the Shear. Therefore, they made a mistake in Halacha. Omri. Amri Hechanin Chei Rafuna. Let's listen to this. Now, Rafuna's body is in Eretz Yisrael. Now, what's the Shaila? Where should we bury him? Where in Eretz should we bury him? So the Gemara says, listen to this. So the Gemara says, Rafuna rebates Torah Yisrael, Ravchia rebates Torah Yisrael. So they said, you know what? Let's bury him in the burial cave of Rabbi Chia. Because Rafuna was a Marbitz Torah, right? And Rabbi Chia was a Marbitz Torah, right? Bro- both of them taught Torah to the masses. So let's bury Rafuna by Rabbi Chia. Okay, so I'll say what happens. So man, so the Gemara says, man mayol, man mayole, who is going to take Rafuna's casket into the, into the cave, into the burial cave of Rabbi Chia? So Rav Chaga, ana ma'elana, I'll take it in. Because he said, now Rechaga says, I think I'm able to do it. Why? Because again, I became proficient in my learning by the time I was 18 years old. And I never had an unnecessary seminal emission. And ultimately, again, I used to, and I used to serve Rabbi Chia during his lifetime. So we'll say, it's actually a very profound combination of information over here. Ready, says three things. Number one, I, my, or, my learning was organized. I was, I was, my, my learning was, was organized by the time I was 18. I never had a seminal emission, unnecessary seminal emission. 
And I was Mishamish Rabbi Chia, and I saw Rabbi Chia, which also tells you that the three criteria for spiritual success in life, ultimately, again, is trying to whatever degree possible to rein in on thoughts of impure thoughts. It's difficult because the mice, again, our mind wanders, and very often, especially, we see things, we look at things, and it's hard. It's hard to undo. It's an amazing thing. It's hard to undo what you see, and it's hard to undo what, what you experience. But somehow, we have to... Even though I can't erase it, I have to figure out a way to kind of struggle to keep it in check. That's the carry piece. The idea is to have my learning organized. So I'll say have my learning organized means make a commitment to learning and stick with it. And ultimately, going back to our role models thing, find someone, find someone who has the ideas, the ideals, the morals that you want. Stick with that person. Spend time with that person. Cultivate the relationship with that person. This is the secret to success. Listen to this. And furthermore again, and furthermore again, so Rav Chaga, uh, Rav Chaga, yeah, Rabbi Chaga said, and furthermore, again, I know all about the behaviors of Rabbi Chia. But listen to Rabbi Chia. The Yom Achad is hafoiche le'ritzua de tefillin. One day, one day, listen to this, Rabbi Chia's tefillin, the ritzua, flipped over so that the white part was exposed. And what happened? The Yosef Alei Arba'in Tanisa. And Rabbi Chia fasted for 40 days. In other words, he felt, he was so meticulous with his own, with his own spiritual activity that the tefillin, the tzua moved the wrong way and Halach Lamaisi fasted. So let's listen to this story. Aylei, so Rabbi Chaga took in the casket of Rav Huna. Havagani Yehuda da'avua v'chizkia mismalei. So what's this? Rabbi Chia is buried by his two sons. His son Yehuda was on his right hand and his son Chizkia was on his left side. Yehuda So this is wild. So now Rav Chaga walks into the burial cave. He has the casket of Rav Huna. So now the two sons of Rabbi Chia have a conversation. Yehuda says to Chizkia, Kumi so Yehuda, Yehuda says to Chizkiah, get up, get up, right? Get up from your grave and make room for Rav Huna. Make room for Rav Huna. So the Gemara says, so Rav Huna, so the Gemara says, so what happened? So listen to this. When Chizkiah got up from his grave, a great pillar of fire descended. And what happened? So the Gemara says, Chazi Rav Chaga, Ibis Zogfei La'arona Venafa. So what happened? Rav Chaga saw the pillar of fire. He hid behind the casket of Rav Huna to save himself from the fire. And ultimately, again, he ran out. And ultimately, again, he was only saved because he hid behind the casket of Rafuna. There will say a lot to say on that story. Incredible symbolisms and incredible messages. We'll have to save it for the next cycle. Amir Tashem. I will say, interestingly enough, by the way, what you do see from here, I will say something very interesting. We've actually seen this before. One of the ways they used to bury was standing up. In other words, I will say what they, that what they would do is they would lower people into the grave in a standing position, not in a lying position, which also, if you think about it, by the way, also allows for what? More graves. More graves. It's really quite fascinating. I will say, you should know, by the way, now in Eretisrael, one of the interesting things that they're doing is they're stacking graves. So often when husbands and wives buy graves together, what they're really buying is one grave. 
one grave. Whoever dies first goes into a deeper grave. And then again, they seal off the first grave. And then the second person ultimately is buried in the upper grave. This is not, again, so it seems to be Bismarck Gemara, what they often used to do is bury standing up, ultimately also concerned. Good. So the Gemara goes back. I want to say so much to say, I'm sorry, but we have to move right there. So, Kinach Nashed Rachista. And Rav Chista passed away. Savar la'asuve sefer Torah puri. They wanted once again to put a sefer Torah on his funeral beer. Amur Rav Yitzchak. Rav Yitzchak said, Milsei dil rabbe lo sefer lei. Anonekum navid lei. So how can you do this? Because Rav Chista's Rebbe didn't allow this. And now you're going to do it for him. Savar delom l'mishlo karaihu. So we'll say, so what happened? So they went ahead as far as they didn't put the sefer Torah there. So they tore Kriya. They tore Kriya. And they thought that you're not even allowed to loosely stitch up the, the tear. Amlu Rabbi Yitzchak Bar Ami Chacham. Last line. Chevan Shechziru Panei Meachari Amita Sholin. Bozei Da Lochis. Everyone is obligated to tear Kriya for Talmud Chacham. But once you turn away from the funeral beer, you're allowed to stitch up the tear, albeit in a loose fashion. Kinach Nafshed Rav Barafuna for Rav Hamnuna. Both listen to this. When Rabbi Barafuna and Rav Hamnuna both passed away, they both passed away. As Kinu Hasam. They took the bodies to Eretz Yisrael for burial. Amid Beis. Kimatu Agishra Listen to this wild story. So they're taking the bodies. They're taking the bodies to Eretz Yisrael for burial. So they got to a bridge. They got to a bridge. And Abba said, it was a narrow bridge. Kala Olam Kulo Sarma. Oh, there was a narrow bridge. So what happened? Only one person could go in front. So Abba listen to this. Kamu Gamli. The camels stopped moving. Apparently, again, they, they, were, they placed the caskets on camels, and the camels stopped moving. Amalu Tayo, my high. So the Arab, the Arab leader, the Arab guy who was, who was leading the camels said, what's going on over here? So listen to this. Amrulei, Rabbanan de Ka'avdi Yakira Ahadadi. Mar Amar Mar Neil Boresha. Umar Amar Mar Neil Boresha. So the Jews there told the Arab, oh, the Rabbanim, the Rabbanim, they're being deferential to each other. This one is saying, you go first. And this one is saying, no, you go first. So the camels won't move because each of the Rabbanim are trying to be deferential to the other. So listen to this. So the Arab ways in Amar, you know what? I think Rabbi Rafuna should go first too. Should go first. So the Arab decided to weigh in on this. Right? He said, Rabbi Rafuna should go first. So Chalaf coming to Rabbi Rafuna. So ultimately, again, the camel of Rabbi Rafuna went first. And then all of the Arabs' teeth fell out. Right? We'll say, good Muslim, by the way, don't get involved in stuff that's not your business. Right? So we'll say, so ultimately, again, so the Arab goes ahead and gets involved, all of his teeth falls out. Good. So we'll say, so now, so now listen to this. So remember, so just to understand, this is Rabbi Rafuna and Rafamuno, who apparently passed away at the same time. They died in Babel. They died in Babel. Their bodies are now brought to Eretz Yisrael for burial. Here, now, here are the Hespedim. Pasach Aleahu Yenuka. So a young child began to eulogize Rav Hanuna, and he said, Gezer Yishishim Allah mi a student of the sages, came up from Babel. Vimo Sefer Melchamos, Kaas, the couple, Huchpolo Liros, Bishod Bishever, Habami Shinar, Katsaf Olamo, the Chamas Mimeno Nefashos, the Samach Bahem, Kikala Chadasha. So again, the young child delivered this beautiful, beautiful eulogy where he calls again Rav Hamuna, the student of the sages. It's interesting, I will say, how the first praise that was given to Rav Huna was not his own accomplishments, but rather what? That he was a student of the Tamidi Chachamim. Because I will say, sometimes the greatest accomplishment you can have in life is the willingness to be a student. The willingness to be a Talmud. Because if I'm willing to be a Talmud, then I'm willing to learn. 
a willingness to learn represents a willingness to grow. The moment that I think I know everything and I don't need to learn anything anymore, I don't need a Rebbe, I don't need someone, is the moment, amazingly enough, that my growth stops. So the Gemara goes weiter. When Ravina passed away, somebody else eulogized him as well. And he said, Literally again, the palm trees. Bend your, bend your heads. For the tzaddik who was like a date palm. So nasim lelos kiyamim. We must make our nights like days. In other words, we should mourn night, night, day and night. Amesim lelos kiyamim. For the person who made his nights like his days. So I will say this is so beautiful. So when they eulogized Ravina, they said we should go ahead and mourn our nights like our nasim lelos kiyamim. We should make our nights like our days. For the person who made his nights like his days. What does that mean? Ravina learned Torah by night just like he learned by day. He made his nights into his days. So too we should mourn by night and by day as well to remember him. It's so beautiful. Rav Ravashi the Barkipok. Ravashi said to Barkipok, Hahu Yoma, my Amrit, listen to this. Ravashi said to Barkipok, when I die, what hesped are you going to get for me? It's interesting. Ravashi is curious. How are you going to eulogize me when I die? So the Gemara says, Asa Amrit lay, Asa, my, my Amrit, Amrit lay, Amina, I would say the following. In Ba'arazim, first white line, In Ba'arazim, In Ba'arazim, Nafla shall have us. Ma Yazwe Zuvekir. So again, so Barkipok said, here's the eulogy, Ravashi. Here it goes. If the fire could take down the cedar trees, what will happen to the hyssop plants? Right, which are smaller plants. So, I'm sorry. If the Levyasan could be brought up with a fish hook, then ultimately what will the small fish do? Otherwise, what Barkipok was saying to Ravashi, the eulogy I'm going to give you is, if even the greatest of the great die, then what's in store for the rest of us? Right? If the fire of death could take down the cedar, then all the more so the hyssop plants. If the fish hook could nab the Leviathan, the right Leviathan, all the more so what it does for the small fish. He goes on. In the raging stream, ultimately dryness took over. What's going to happen to the little ponds? So I will say, so again, so Barkipok was trying to show Ravashi that when you die, I'm going to show people if death even occurs to Ravashi, and Ravashi has to give din v'cheshman, has to give an accounting for his life. Then Allah has kama v'kama, how much we each have to prepare ourselves. Amalei bar'avin chas v'shalom, dechika v'shalhevis b'tzadik amina. So bar'avin said, why would you use the Lashen ultimately again of a fishhook and death? Fishhook and death, I'm sorry, fishhook and fire. Fishhook and fire have such a negative connotation. Umay amrit, so what would you say? Amina, let's listen to this. Here's the proper, here's the proper hesped. Bachu la'avelim v'lo la'aveda. Cry for the mourners, but not for the one who has been lost. For the soul has gone on to eternal rest. But it is us who is left in agony. I will say, what a beautiful, beautiful husband. Cry for the Avelim. Do not cry for the person who has died. For the person who has died has found rest. And we are the ones who find ourselves in agony. So beautiful. Chalash daite. I will say, Rabashi was very distressed. Ravashi was distressed ultimately again because he felt, he felt that at the end of the day, if you look at Rashi, 
Ravashi felt that people were going to compare his loss either to a fire or to a lost object. Because he became distressed, so ishapuch karaihu, the people who gave these mock, these eulogies for Ravashi, they told what they were going to say, their feet were turned around. They became crippled. They became crippled. They will say, now again, it could be literal, their feet became turned around, or it just means they suffered some type of setback. So the Gemara says, lo, so the Gemara says, yoma lo asulas and when Ravashi passed away, these individuals did not actually eulogize him. Ravashi, lo bar chalitz, that's why people used to say, bar kipok, bar abin, they can't do chalitza. I both say for the process of chalitza, what do you have to do? You have to remove a shoe off the foot. So something happened to their feet that they were unable to do chalitza. Okay. So the Gemara says, Rava diglas. So Rava, when he came to diglas, Amr lebar abin, kum ima milsa. He said to bar abin, stand up and say something. So the Gemara says, Kai va'amr bo'u rov shlishis b'mayim. So I'll say, so listen to this. So, so let, me, let me give you the background to this. So if you take a look here, it says, Rava came, Rav, Rava came to the river Diglos. He came to the river Diglos. And he says to Bar Avin, Kum eima milsa. So listen to this. If you look at Rashi, Rashi says over here, Asula Diglos, Chidekel. He came to the river Chidekel. And ultimately, again, Rava has to pass through the river. So he's nervous to pass through the river. So he says to Bar Avin, say something. Give me chizik. Bummer. He said, so, 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 Bar-Avin said the following. The third has come into the water. Now he referred to Rava as being as pious and as virtuous and as holy as one third of Klal Yisrael. Zachar verachim ta'inu rachamecha ki'ishami baila al taznichenu ka'os me mara. So he says, so the tefillah he says is, the person who is as virtuous as a third of Klal Yisrael has come to the water, split the water as Ralam to pass through the water, remember him. Go ahead and have compassion on him. And even though HaKadosh Baruch Hu, we have veered from you, sometimes like a woman who veers from her husband, do not go ahead and forsake us. You remember the oath, remember the oaths, remember ultimately the sign of the Maimara, which refers to the Sota. In other words, even though sometimes we go ahead and we veer from you, remember that we are faithful to you. Rav Chanin, Chasin de Bani. Well, let's listen to this. Rathchanin, the son-in-law of the Nasi, did not have children. Boy Rachame, he davened v'havile, and he was given children. Ha'hu yoma d'havile nach nafshe. But the very day Rathchanin had a child, he died. See, he died the very day that his child came into this world. Pasach alehu saptana. So he, when he was eulogized, the eulogizer said, Simcha letuga nebcha. Ultimately, again, the simcha, the joy, turned into sadness. Sason Viago Nidbaku Basim Chaso. Ultimately, again, Sason Viago, joy and mourning came together at a time. Basim Chaso Nanach Bais Chaninasa Avad Chanino. Ultimately, again, at the time of Simcha, he became downtrodden. At the time of favor, Chaninasa Avad Chanino, his chain was lost. Asikule Chanan Alshme. And they named the baby, they named the baby Chanan. They named him Chanan, ultimately, again, Abosai, seems to be, by the way, like a little bit, his father was Chanin, not Chanan, but they named him after his father, but also again, Be'is Chaninoso, that his life should be one of favor. Abosai, we'll just do one more line. When Rabbi Yochanan passed away, Rabbi Yitzchak ben Elazar eulogized him and he said, Kasha yom Yisrael, 
Kiyom Ba Shemesh This day, this day, the loss of Rabbi Yitzchak ben Alaz, I'm sorry, the, the, the loss of Rabbi Yochanan is as difficult as the day where the sun set midday. When did the sun set midday? On that day, I will cause the sun to set at midday. That is the day that King Yoshio was killed by Pyro. Also, remember again, we actually make reference to this event in Kinos. That when Yoshio died, it was the end, essentially, of Jewish autonomy, of Jewish monarchy. So the day that Yoshio died, and Yoshio was a big tzaddik, was a big tzaddik. But ultimately, again, he didn't allow Paro to march through his land. He's killed by Paro, and that day was a dark day for Kalal Yisrael. Literally, again, the sun set midday. So we'll stop over here for today. Allah, Baruch Hashem, in one day, Emirat Hashem, will continue. Both say incredible, incredible Gemara for the rest of the Masechta. Shkayach, everyone, a wonderful day. All right, everyone, zoom out, a great day.